Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Friday, April 29th, 2016. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletic Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now or give them a call at 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. And make sure you tell them I sent you a tough night last night. And it did not go down the way I had expected. I told you I expected a Game 7. I expected to be here today, this morning, on this podcast, previewing a Game 7 back in Atlanta tomorrow night, Saturday night. As you already know, I was wrong. That is not going to happen. Last night in Game 6 at the TD Garden, the Atlanta Hawks ended the Boston Celtics season. The Hawks win Game 6, 104-92. The Hawks move on. They will play the Cleveland Cavaliers in the second round of the playoffs. And the Celtics, they are done. Season over. And, you know, I thought they were going to show a lot more fight than they did last night, to be honest. And not only that, but I just thought maybe the strategy, based on the based on how the first couple minutes of this game played out, I just thought the strategy, I thought they'd be able to adjust to what happened early on. And if you followed me on Twitter, you know exactly what I wanted the strategy to be. I wanted this to turn into the Jonas Jerebko game because I thought it had the potential to do that based on how Jonas Jerebko came out of the gate hitting shots, blocking shots, playing phenomenal defense. To me, he was the best player on the court, and it wasn't even close. And yet you you get into the second half, even late in the second quarter, but the entire second half, I think I counted Jerebko touched the basketball on the offensive end four times. Four times, I think. And I don't even know if it was that many. Might have only been three. They did not find a way to get this kid the ball. I don't know why. I have no idea why. That that was the most frustrating thing to me. Now, the most frustrating part of this whole series is you go back to, what, game two where they scored seven points in the first quarter. That's embarrassing. That's frustrating. But, I mean, I go back to game five when the Celtics had a 29-19 lead. I crushed them for this yesterday, on yesterday's show. Um, when the Celtics had a 29-19 lead in game five, and the Hawks were playing awful, and the Celtics had like 15 to 20 possessions where they could have just ended the game in the second quarter, and they, they decided to take stupid shots, make stupid decisions, and, and it continued. It continued last night in this game. Stupid shots, stupid decisions. Like, I love Isaiah Thomas, but when he throws up seven three-pointers in a game and six of them are the most off-balance three-pointers you could ever see in your life, I don't understand that. Like, that's not a good shot. Off-balance, falling to the side, falling forward. Fade away three. I mean, come on. It's got to be better than that. It needs to be a better look than that. So the Celtics season is over. Um, We can vent on this. I just, last night, I'm I'm just watching this game. I mean, they bring Olenek in for five minutes. That's five minutes too many. 
Olenek is a stiff. He is a fucking stiff. I mean, this isn't the first time I'm telling you this. I've been telling you this since he joined this team. He's a stiff. He's seven feet tall. He can't play a lick of defense. I don't care how much his shoulder's hurting him. I really don't. He comes into the game. It's like, like when's the last time a seven-footer came into a game and Jeff Teague's eyes lit up? That's what happened last night. Olenek comes into the game. Teague's eyes lit up. He drives all over Olenek and floats it over his head. Think of that. Think about that for a second. That, that's, that should not be the mindset of a point guard like to attack a seven-footer like that. But he knows he can because Olenek sucks defensively. He's terrible. And offensively, he comes out and, uh, you know, he shoots a terrible three, misses two shots. I mean, get off the court. They ripped him off the court. They put him in again late just for a couple minutes. You even saw Jay Crowder's reaction to that going, what? You're going to take me out right now for Kelly Olynyk? It was real quick. They had a quick substitution. Uh, then they went back to Jerebko. But speaking of Crowder, I mean, he was terrible all series. Now, Crowder at least, that's what? What is that? I mean, it's a leg. It's an ankle. Uh, that's, he, he couldn't even play defense. Now, I, you say, I just crushed Olenek for terrible defense. I don't think Olenek's terrible defense has anything to do with the injury. I think Crowder's does. Crowder's career defensively, at least even just in a Celtics uniform, sort of speaks for itself. Crowder is a beast defensively to the point where he really is and can be at times the heart and soul of this team because of the ferocious defense they play. That has a lot to do with Jay Crowder's presence out there. I mean, he's got guys going by him like he's a turnstile in this one, in this series at times, and even last night. That, to me, has more to do with injury than a lack of talent on the defensive end. Like, Olenek, that's just... It can't happen. He, he's not athletic. He's not talented enough. I can't stand the guy. I can't wait till he's no longer on this team. And people love him because sometimes he can shoot for a big, I'm all set. I don't even need him on the team. I don't need him on the court. Don't. But last night, early on, Jarebko right away. And you they put Jarebko in the starting lineup for a reason the last couple games. You go back to game four, everybody praised Marcus Smart at the end of game four for what he did, but Jarebko was phenomenal. They weren't winning that game without Jarebko. And early on in this one last night in game six, I thought this is going to be the Jonas Jarebko game. And yet, you know, I I don't know if it was, like, I I would like to think at that point, maybe you say to yourself, okay, this is an elimination game. We got to cut down on the rotation. Six-man rotation, I don't care. The only guy coming off the bench, you want it to be Marcus Smart? Be my guest. Salinger only got seven minutes. I told you yesterday, I'd like to see him play only because I'd like to see him do something. But if Brad Stevens, you know, if he lost all confidence in Salinger to this point, I don't blame him because who has confidence in Salinger? I told you he would be a great X factor if he could ever figure it out and not look like he's a lost player out there because Salinger's lost. I'm, I'm done with Salinger. I mean, I am. I'm done with him. I was a big Salinger fan. This series? Holy shit. I, I'm done with him. He's done. I, I'm done with Olenek. I'm done with Salinger. I'm not, now, I'm not sitting there telling you to hit the panic button on the organization because I do think good things and even great things are going to come even as soon as this offseason. And we get so much time to talk about this Celtics offseason, it's not even funny. You know I've already gone into that the last couple months with regards to the Kevin Durant stuff. And it's funny because you see people now, columnists and analysts and experts, and they're coming out and they're trying to 
look into the Celtics' future and look into this offseason, and they're throwing the Kevin Durant sweepstakes around like now all of a sudden it's realistic when these same people were trying to tell me for the last two months that I'm delusional. These people are, some of these fucking media members are delusional, okay? They are. Because because they're just afraid of being wrong. They're afraid of, they're afraid of throwing Durant's name out there and saying, uh, you know, oh, if it if it really looks like a pipe dream two months from now, then I'm gonna look like an idiot. They just they're afraid, but also they don't think realistically. Sometimes these people don't think. But now all of a sudden, these same people who call me delusional, they're coming out. You know, they're leading their columns off with Kevin Durant. Oh, the Durant sweepstakes begins. Oh, the Durant sweepstakes for the Celtics begins now, does it? Does it? Please. Please. Um, I, I know that Durant to Boston is not delusional. It's not. And I've given you reasons many times. We have so much time to talk about Durant. Oklahoma City's still in the playoffs. The Celtics are done. Uh, I'm, I'm going to react to the NBA playoffs as they continue to play out. Uh, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to pay attention to it. And uh, I'm going to break it down on this show, even though the Celtics season's over. And we're going to get to the lottery. We're going to see what the Celtics pick is with regards to that Brooklyn pick. Right now, if, you, if there wasn't a lottery and it just went by worse record, right, it would be 76s, 1, Lakers 2, and Brooklyn 3. And you're setting yourself up for Buddy Heald or some crazy trade. I mean, I'd, I'd do either. You need to tell me what the trade is first. I'm not saying no to a trade for that pick. I'm entertaining the possibility. And, and on top of that, the, the max contracts that you can give out, the Celtics have been very open. They got two to give. So give them. Let's go. And I don't think Durant is, thinking of Durant is delusional or a pipe dream. I've been telling you that for a long time. Now all of a sudden people are starting to listen and, and jump on the same page. And, and now trying to tell me that they see eye to eye with me. We don't see eye to eye. You just jumped on board last minute because you just started watching the fucking games. I, because the Celtics organization, the legend in that building, the buzz in that building, it's, it's been there for a little bit. You're just figuring that out now. All right, good for you. Good for you. Uh, this, I, I'm obviously frustrated with the Celtics season being over. And how it ended, because I really thought there was going to be, I really thought there was going to be a game seven. And, uh, you know, the fact that, I, I wouldn't say last night was a complete no-show. I mean, they battled back late. You ended up throwing Zella into the game. Uh, and, and, and Zella had a couple of big buckets for you. He was battling under the basket, kind of how I wish Sullinger would battle under the basket earlier in this series. But... I mean, you get to a point last night, they opened this one up, and I wasn't not, I, look, they're trailing by three at the end of the first quarter. I wasn't feeling terrible about this game. Even at the half, even at halftime, I wasn't feeling terrible about this one. I wasn't. But, you know, after the first, what? After the first quarter, I'm going, okay, this is, this is Jerebko. I know people want Isaiah Thomas, and, and, you know, he, he, look, Isaiah Thomas was frustrated in this entire series. In this entire series. Even the game, you know, even the game that he did score, 40-42. I mean, they, Atlanta got to Isaiah Thomas. They frustrated him. They swarmed him. And, and they would not let him in the paint. There were times he got into the paint, he couldn't finish. And we're used to seeing him finish, even some of those crazy shots, some of those crazy layups. But 
you know, for the most part, last night, the first five, ten minutes of this game, Jarebko was the best player on the court. And I know. Like, we should never be to a point where we're asking Jarebko to win us a game. I get that. But, 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 that, but that's the reality. Like, that's the situation you found yourself in. Down 3-2 in the series, at home for a must-win game six. And Jarebko was, has been one of your best players in the biggest moments in the last couple games. He has been. So when he comes out to a hot start like that, I just figured, all right, don't get away from that. Don't get away from him. They completely got away from him. They weren't even thinking of him. They, like, it came time, at one point in this game, Jarebko was on the court, and it was like nobody else was even looking for him. I don't understand that. And I, that goes into some of the coaching, I think, too. Like, Brad Stevens, like, aren't you maybe drawing up a couple of plays for Jonas Jarebko? He's the best player on the court offensively, and he was swatting people defensively, blocking shots. It, I, to me, it jumped off the screen, and then it went away. And it didn't go away because he wasn't playing. He played 33 minutes. They just didn't get him the ball. It's not like they were out there double-teaming Jarebko. I mean, come on. I just thought it was a bad strategy. I thought, they, I thought last night, in the moment, in this specific situation, the Celtics got away from what was working for them, and that seems to be what this whole series was. Like, the Celtics got away from what they were so good at, which was driving to the hoop. As a team, they were firing up shots left and right, and they couldn't hit any three-pointers. And, you know, they did not play to their strengths. And you can credit Atlanta for maybe getting, you know, forcing the Celtics away from some of those strengths, certainly, certainly. But, but then when you get even a little bit more in-depth into one specific game and what your strength was last night in the first quarter, it was Jonas Cherepko. And then he was, he touched the ball three times in the second half. Like, I'm going, what are, what are we doing? You got guys just firing up shots. Like, I don't want to see Jay Crowder throwing up any more threes in that one last night. I don't want to see Isaiah Thomas throwing up any more threes. Evan Turner took four three-pointers. That's one less than Jarebko took. That's too much for Turner. That's a terrible strategy. And I'm an Evan Turner guy. But that can't happen. That can't happen. Okay? When Evan Turner and Marcus Smart combine for more three-point attempts than Jonas Jarebko, that's a problem. And I don't look at that as being a Jarebko problem and thinking, well, he's just dishing it off. They didn't get him the ball. He didn't even touch the fucking ball. And I know it's crazy to be up in arms and this angry about, you know, them not giving the ball to Jonas Jarebko because in a perfect world, this Jarebko's, you know, he's a bench, he's a six, seven guy, you know, six guy at the bench, you know, seventh player. He's not in the starting lineup. He's not a go-to guy to win your playoff game. But right now, Avery Bradley's hurt. Crowder's out there playing hurt. Thomas is being swarmed when he drives to the basket. And on a night in which Evan Turner wasn't hitting his shot, someone's got to step up and f- out of the gate, Jarebko was the guy. It was like he made a statement. Hitting shots, hitting threes, driving to the net, blocking Millsap. He was swatting people. What? Then they, then they didn't give him the ball the rest of the game. It, and, and it wasn't just, that wasn't out of nowhere. Jarebko's been playing phenomenal the last three games. And they got away from it. Much like the entire Celtics series, they got away from what, what they did the best. Are you putting that on coaching? 
Are you putting that on the decision-making of the players on the court? I, I'm going to have to put on a little bit of bull. As well as, you know, you got to combine that with what Atlanta was able to do defensively against you. And the Celtics' defense, on top of it, wasn't very good. I, I do think, though, that gets into the crowd of injury and him playing banged up. Because he is the heart and soul of that defense and obviously Avery Bradley not being around. You know, you try to you try to break this. When you figure out Avery Bradley's not going to return, you try to really break this down every day. And, you know, it's tough to do, but you got to kind of put him to the side and say, okay, you can still win. How can you still win without Avery Bradley? Now that the series is over and you look back at it, if you can plug him in, not just someone who plays great D, but also can hit three-pointers, you know, you'd like to think maybe you're able to, you know, maybe you're able to steal game five. You know, maybe you're in this one in game six a little bit late. You'd like to think at least with Avery Bradley out there and a healthy Jay Crowder, you're at least going to a game seven Saturday night. But I still think even without them, you could be in a game seven tomorrow night. They're not. Um, now, would Jurepko have come out and hit all his shots? I know they gave one to him late and he missed and it was a brick. But at that point, it was the first time he touched the ball since like midway through the second quarter. It just didn't make any sense to me that you wouldn't find him the ball, not just as a play, as a player on the court, but as a coaching staff. Like they didn't, like they didn't see that. They didn't want more of that. They didn't want to maybe draw up a couple plays and throw something out there to get Jerebko a couple more open looks and and a little heat check. They didn't want to do that. I had a problem with that. I had a big time problem with that last night. I was that's what I was fired up about the most. That they just completely went away from the guy. And it's not like he was just good in that five-minute span to begin the first quarter. He's been great for them the last couple games. Right? And uh, the last time they were in this building, at the Garden. Game four. People call that the Marcus Smart game. Don't ignore what Jarebko did in that one. Because without Jarebko in that game four, this, this series would have ended on Tuesday night. In Atlanta. It would have. Um, Celtics, they're done, and now we move on. Now we move on. That's that's it. I'm, I'm not ready for it. I'm not ready for it to be over. It's going to take me a couple days, I think, to hit me. That's why I'm not going to sit here today. I can't get all wrapped up into off-season discussion and the moves they make. Like, this is still fresh to me. We'll get to that. There's plenty of time for that. The playoffs are still going on. I'm going to break down some playoff stuff. My picks today at the end of the show to wrap up the week in a segment we call Picks Picks every Friday. I give you five games with the spread. It's always a different sport. I mean, in NFL season, during the NFL season, uh, I give you football. But obviously no football, so I mix it up. I've been doing basketball for the most part. Last week, last weekend, I went 4-1. and one. I went 4-1 and one on the weekend with my NBA playoff picks. Now, Considering that there's only so many NBA playoff games this weekend, I'm only giving you four because the game's Sunday. There's no spreads for them because it's possibly, if necessary, all three series that we're going to see tonight. So we just got spreads for their games tonight. We don't have spreads for those on Sunday. So I'm not, I can't, I, I can't give you five games. I can only give you four, all right? So... I'll do that at the end of the show, close out the show, close out the week with my picks. Uh, in, I mean, I'll just tell you what games we got tonight in the NBA playoffs. You got 
Toronto is in Indy for their game six. The Raptors have a chance to close out the series tonight in Indy at 7.30. Uh, the Heat, they are in Charlotte to take on the Hornets in their game six. The Hornets at home have a chance to close out this series tonight. And then at 10.30, you got the banged-up Clippers, the D-League Clippers, against the Portland Trailblazers in Portland for their game six. The Trailblazers have a chance to wrap up that series tonight as well. Yes, I will pick all three of those games. Also in the playoffs, let's go to the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Capitals last night, they beat the Penguins 4-3 to in overtime in their game one of their second round series. TJ Oshie with the game winner in OT and a hat trick in this one. There'll be two games tonight. St. Louis at Dallas in their game one of the second round and Nashville at San Jose in their game one of the second round. But the Caps beat the Penguins last night uh, in OT in game one. I was more focused on the Celtics. I mean, I didn't even really watch much of the Red Sox game. The Red Sox ended up losing last night. Clay Buckholz was on the mound. I'll get to that, and I'll preview a little bit of the Red Sox-Yankees series today as well. That's coming up this weekend at Fenway. But there was some drama in the NFL last night with the NFL draft the first round of the draft being last night, prime time, you know how they do this round one on Thursday nights now. I think I read this morning. I read this morning. What, what were these the worst ratings for round one since 2012? I, I tweeted something out along the lines of, yes, while the Celtics game has been bad for the Seas and bad for us to watch, um, I, I'm just glad I don't have to watch the NFL draft. Like, I turned it on for two seconds, I saw Roger Goodell's face, and I wanted to throw something at the TV. Like, I'm just, you know, you see him dapping the players, giving these handshakes, giving these big hugs. Please, give me a break. So, Roger Goodell, you know how I feel about him, if you listen to the show ever, especially yesterday's show, and really all week, with the Deflategate suspension uh, for Tom Brady being reinstated. And Goodell pounding his chest. I wrote a column in the Boston Metro that is in print today that's online, so make sure you check that out. It is just bashing Roger Goodell, so make sure you read that. But the drama last night, it wasn't even the first two picks. We know L.A. traded up. The Rams traded up to get number one. We knew they were taking a quarterback. We knew they were taking Jared Goff. They took Goff at one. Then we saw Philly. We knew Philly traded up to get to number two overall. And we knew they were taking a quarterback, so they take Carson Wentz. Goff and Wentz go one and two, respectively, to L.A. and Philly. No surprise there. But but you get this story about Ole Miss offensive lineman Loremi Tunsil. I believe I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Loremi Tunsil. He goes 13 overall to Miami. Apparently, this is him dropping in the draft. I, If you had told... Like, if you, if you didn't give me some of these stories that came out about his Twitter and Instagram accounts getting hacked, which I'm going to get to in a second, if you didn't tell me that and you just said, Ole Miss offensive lineman, Loremi Tunsil went 13 to Miami, I, I just would accept that as what it is. Like, I wouldn't be able to sit here and tell you, oh, he, he dropped. Like, he was supposed to go number five and he dropped to 13. Like, I would have no, I literally would have no idea that that would be the case. But... You find out that's the case because all over social media and now today even on ESPN and all over the web, the story that came out last night before the draft that apparently caused Tunsil to drop to 13 was 
on first and foremost, on Twitter, there was a video that was tweeted out from his personal Twitter account that was a video of him, Loremi Tunsil, with the gas mask on, smoking weed out of a bong. Now, the tweets that I saw, it was people like retweeting it. You know, they embed the tweet and they, they say something above it and they quote the tweet. And, and the comments are, what is this kid, an idiot? Like, how stupid do you have to be to tweet this out right before the draft when you're going in the first round, you're in attendance, you're in the building, you're about to get drafted to the NFL, you're going to tweet out a video. It wasn't even a picture, it was a video, right? Of him with a gas mask on, smoking weed, like you're an idiot. And I guess I'm thinking to myself when I'm seeing this, wait a minute. Do, do we really think he tweeted? I know it's his personal Twitter account. But are we so stupid? Like, people are calling him stupid for tweeting it out. I call those people stupid. Like, are you stupid enough to think that he would be stupid enough to tweet a video of himself smoking weed right before the draft begins? When he's in attendance, he's at the draft. You think he's sitting there at the draft on his phone going, I'm going to tweet this video out of me smoking weed right now. I don't even care how it's done. The gas mask, the bong... It could be a blunt. It could be a joint. I, it doesn't matter how it's done. You think he's going to sit there and tweet out a video from his little draft party at the draft as he's about to get his name called, go up with a jersey and a hat and hug Roger Goodell? You think he is sitting there on his phone tweeting videos of him doing anything illegal? I mean, come on. Like, honestly. Think about that for a minute. People are calling him an idiot for doing it. I'm like, you think he was doing that? Turns out he wasn't. Somebody hacked into his account, and they're trying to find out who did it. And then there was an Instagram. His Instagram account got hacked, which, you know, could be and probably is the more more damaging situation, not for him. I, like, I think the kid's going to be fine. Like, I, right? Like, people are really freaking out. Like, I think the kid's going to be fine. All right? Uh... Forget about the videos and, and the tweets and the Instagrams for a minute. If the kid can play football, he's, he's going to play football. I, I know you get guys who are like, like failing tests, like Josh Gordon. All right? It's a problem. Like, he's got a big-time problem. For me to sit here and say this kid Tunsil is that much of a problem, I can't do it based on this one thing. Somebody hacked into his account. He obviously didn't send that out himself. But the second one could lead to a bigger situation with regards to Ole Miss and the NCAA because the second one that was sent out on his social media were two pictures of text messages that Tunsil had with, what, the athletic director or someone on the coaching staff at Ole Miss in which he's asking Ole Miss to give him some money to pay for his rent and his mother's electric bill. And, and basically, whoever he was talking to was like, basically admitted that they already gave him some money. So <laughs> there'll be an investigation on that. And I don't even know how, mo- how deep you've got to go into that investigation. I mean, it's right there on those text messages. But do we really think Tunsil's tweeting that out, Instagramming that, those pictures? Of course not. Of course not. He's not doing that. Somebody hacked into his account. And he, I guess he fell in the draft because of it. Look, I wasn't paying any attention to the draft. And to be honest with you, I read this story and still kind of roll my eyes and go, you know, the one thing that jumps out at me is not, like, I'm, like, not the kid Tunsil. It's a college kid who was smoking weed. <laughs> I mean, look, look, 
People need to fucking settle down, okay? They need to settle down. The, to me, the thing that jumps off the the screen to me that jumps out at me is this situation where Ole Miss is obviously paying for this kid's mother's rent or his rent or his mother's electric bill. And, and that's not even, that's not even a shock. I mean, I'm not even saying I'm shocked with that. I'm saying that's the story that's going to become a biggest story out of all this because then the NCAA gets involved. You know, then you get back to, well, should players get paid? Like that opens a logic can of worms. One that's really already open, but I guess, just adds fuel to the fire. You know what I mean? Like, that's going to be a bigger story than anything. And and ultimately, what does that have to do with the kid Tunsil and, and what he's doing in the NFL? Has nothing to do with that. I, I mean, I'm going to sit there and give the kid a shot, right? Just let the kid play. Let the season begin. Let his career begin. Let's see if he is a good kid. Let's see if he does things the right way. I'm not going to sit there and tell you he's doing everything the wrong way. I mean, what, what do we... Like, I, I just think there's an overreaction to everything. And I even think, as much as I've crushed Roger Goodell... Okay? I even think there's an overreaction from people who are kind of going after Goodell today. Like, Goodell had a terrible quote. He said, quote, when asked about the Tunsil situation, he said, I think it's all part of what makes the draft so exciting. End quote. Let me me read that quote again. Quote, when he was asked about the Tunsil situation last night, him dropping in the draft to 13 to Miami, his account's getting hacked, this stuff coming out about him. And Goodell was asked, and Goodell said, quote, I think it's all part of what makes the draft so exciting. End quote. And people are crushing him because they're looking at it and going, wow, somebody tried to ruin this kid's life, and Goodell is calling it exciting for the draft. Let me... Look, I'm going to try to be... Fair, and I'm going to try to be honest with you. I hate Roger Goodell. You know that. I despise the guy. I think he's a buffoon. I think he's a clown. I think he's an arrogant asshole who doesn't even know how to define the word integrity. If you ask him, even though he says it every time he talks, that said, I think Roger Goodell just might have misspoke here a little bit. It's a terrible quote that he gives, given the situation that was at hand like it makes it 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 makes it sound like it makes it sound like he's thinking oh this is good for the league like a situation like that is good for the league it's good for the draft it's exciting he making it the quote makes it sound like that i don't think he really feels that deep down inside i, I don't i'm I'm willing to give, I'm willing to let this situation just go, right? I am. I'm willing to just let it go. I'm willing to let the kid go to the NFL, see what he can do as a professional football player. And if the NCAA wants to get involved in the Ole Miss stuff, fine. Whoever hacked his account, you know, there needs to be, you know, they need to find out who that is and they need to figure that out and they cannot let this happen again. I mean, I don't even know how that would happen to you in the first place. Like, what, if somebody knew his password, what are you giving out your passwords for? Um, I do think in the moment that this happens, there's a major overreaction. I, I do, and I don't really want to sit here and overreact to it because what's going to happen is the kid Tunsil is going to move on. NCAA might not move on. Um, Ole Miss might not be able to move on because there could be some suspensions coming their way. And, and some punishments coming their way. But Tunsil's going to be playing for the Miami Dolphins. I guess the the thing that I feel bad for the most is that he's going to the Miami Dolphins. 
That's the thing I feel bad for Tunsil the most. He's got to play for Miami. Uh, they're brutal. Where are they going? Where are the Dolphins going? And so that's what I feel bad for. I just, I, on, I honestly have a tough time getting worked up, even getting mad at Goodell for this. I mean, I, it, it's just, I think people need to let this go. It, obviously, somebody tried to, somebody tried to fuck with, with Tunsil's, I guess, livelihood by hacking into his account and putting those things out. But, but if you think about it, like, we're all going to move on from, like, Tunsil's going to be fine. If he can go out and show that he can play football and he's not failing drug tests, he's going to be fine. Ultimately, if Tunsil does get in trouble moving forward, it's going to be, it's going to be because of him, not because the person who hacked his account. Is this good? No, no, it wasn't good. And I know you can say, well, he cost himself some, you know, this person cost him some money. Somebody was trying to, you know, mess with them. And that sucks. That does suck. But I do think they're going to get past this. All right? And I think it begins with getting a new password for your social media, first of all. Uh, <laughs> just It was a crazy situation. But it's not really one that, that I was going too crazy about, to be honest. I was more crazy over the fact that the Celtics stopped giving the ball to Jonas Jerepko last night. That's what I was more upset with. And people are upset with Goodell's quote. As much as I hate Roger Goodell, I guess I, I just think this situation is going to be over and done with. He got drafted. He's in the NFL. I just I feel bad that he's got to play for the Dolphins. That's what I feel bad for. I do. Because what? The things that happen on his social media, he got hacked. All right. It's over with. Now what? You change your password. Now what? It's not a tonsil issue anymore, right? It's, it's Ole Miss NCAA. Right? If it becomes a Tunsil issue, that means Tunsil is somebody who won't stop smoking weed and gets himself in trouble by failing drug tests. I mean, that's it. And then what? You're going to feel bad for the person who hacked his account? No. To change your password. The hacking will be over. That's it. It's over. Let's move on. I, to be honest, I don't know what you want Goodell to say. I, I don't like Goodell at all. I hate the guy. I hate the guy's guts. I never want to see his face again. But... He picked, a, he picked a bad word. Exciting was a bad word to use. I don't know that deep down inside he actually feels that way. And I don't know that deep down inside anyone thinks this situation long-term is going to affect the kid Tunsil in a negative way. It's going to affect Ole Miss. It's going to be an NCAA issue. But Tunsil, I mean, he's in the NFL now with the Dolphins. He controls his own destiny. has nothing to do with what happened on his social media. Here's what you do. Just get off social media. If, if it really is going to affect you that much, how about this? Just delete your account. That, that's a simple solution here, folks. And instead of us getting worked up about it and, and oh, somebody tried to take that. But they didn't do a good enough job trying to take him down. It's over. He got drafted in the NFL. He's going to be a starting offensive lineman for the Miami Dolphins. You don't want that to happen again? One of two things. One, get a more difficult password and don't tell anybody about it. Two, just delete your account. Don't even go on social media. And if he is getting in trouble, that means he's failing tests because he's an idiot. And then I definitely don't feel bad for him. <laughs> right? So, that's your NFL draft night situation. I, you know, it's just, I'm not into the NFL draft as much as a lot of people are. People get worked up about this shit. Um, I'm more interested in what happened in the NBA playoffs, Stanley Cup playoffs, Major League Baseball. Because the Red Sox last night, I didn't get to watch much of them. But Clay Buckholtz gets the loss. He's now 0-3. 
The Red Sox have yet to win a game in which he starts. Buck Holtz, what, five starts, two no decisions, but the team lost both of those games still. Uh, the Sox, they had a four-game win streak. It was snapped last night. They lost to the Braves at Fenway 5-3. to And from what I did see out of Buck Holtz, everything was up, up in the zone and somewhat flat. Uh, I, 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 you see these stories. Like, I saw stories today. And the headline was, not even Christian Vasquez can save Clay Buckholtz. Well, this is coming from someone who did not watch Clay Buckholtz's last two starts. And I know last start, before last night, was in Houston, and he gave up that grand slam to Colby Rasmus. But even then, it's like, Buckholtz looked like a different guy that entire game. His stuff was filthy. And even the game before that, I thought Buckholtz was very good. People are not going to watch those games and react. They're just going to see this. They're going to see that he's 0-3. And I'm not sitting there trying to defend Buckholz to the point where I'm telling you I need him on this team. I don't. I don't need him in this organization. I, I told you last year right before he got hurt that I think they should try to trade him because you know it's going to happen. I've Look, I, I'm with you on Buckholz. But, I mean, sometimes people say some things that just aren't true. And, and – one of those things is, all right, well, Buckholz did not have a good game last night, and even though he let up the grand slam to Houston the game before, I, I did think that Buckholz was in, taking a step in the right direction. Is that enough? No. Obviously, you saw it last night. He took a step back. But, y- you know, with Clay Buckholz right now, I do think the best thing for him is Vasquez behind the play for him. And to say that it hadn't helped, in at least two of his last three starts, I, I do think it has helped. I actually do. But, you know, end of the day, it's the guy in the mound that's got to throw the pitch. And last night, Buck Colts up in the zone all night from, from what I saw. And now the Red Sox begin a weekend series against the Yankees. Just a quick look at the ALE standings before I get into that. The Red Sox are 12-10 and 10 with the loss last night. The Red Sox are a game and a half behind the Orioles for first place. The Orioles are 13 and 8. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are behind the Red Sox at 10 and 11. The Blue Jays at 10 and 13. And then the last place, Yankees at 8 and 12. The Yankees are 4 and 6 in their last 10. They have lost two straight. Uh, you look at the probable pitches for this weekend Masahiro Tanaka on the mound for the Yankees tonight. Uh, Tanaka, he's been pretty good. So this is probably going to be the toughest guy the Red Sox face on the mound this weekend for the Yankees. Look, I like Pineda. Pineda's going to pitch tomorrow night, Saturday night. But the problem with Pineda, especially this year, is he's either going to strike you out or let up a home run. So there's home run potential with Pineda. And I think the Red Sox, seeing what their offense has been able to do this year, I think it's a safe bet that the Red Sox get a couple long balls off of Pineda tomorrow night, and they'll have Porcello on the mound tomorrow night. The problem for the Red Sox in their own pitching is tonight they got Henry Owens on the mound. He's going to make his second start of the season. His first one was not very good, okay? (laughs) Not very good. And he has not been very good against the Yankees. Last year against the Yankees, Henry Owens in two starts, Went 0-2 with a 13.50 ERA. In his career at Fenway, Henry Owens is 2-2 with an ERA of 5. But 
the the stat that that I can't get over is last year in two starts against the Yankees, Henry Owens a 13.50 ERA, and Owens doesn't have the overpowering velocity, you know, to step into this game tonight and think he's going to be blowing fastballs by this Yankee lineup. Even though the Yankees are in last place, I do think tonight has the potential to be a disaster for the Red Sox with Tanaka on the mound for the Yankees, who's pitching very well, and Owens, who is not pitching very well and also does not pitch very well against the Yankees. I think they could get this one. Porcello's pitching great right now for the Red Sox. Um, And it's going to be him versus Pineda, like I said, tomorrow night. The Red Sox should be able to get a couple home runs off Pineda and just hope Porcello continues to pitch the way he's been pitching with conviction. And then Sunday night baseball, David Price versus Yankee righty Nathan Evaldi. Uh, Evaldi, what, he's got fastball in the mid-90s. He can throw hard, but that, you know, that shouldn't stop the Red Sox from being able to put up some runs on him. And David Price, if he can, you know, you'd like to see Price not have the type of start that he had against Atlanta the other night because his start in Atlanta was not very good, but he ended up turning it around and having a dazzling performance. Uh, 14 strikeouts that tied his career high, but it was just, he had a, he had a tough first inning, or in a couple innings to begin the game. Got I had to get out of some jams. Uh, was not locating early on, but he obviously turned it around. His changeup was nasty in that one. David Price back on the mound. Sunday night baseball against the Yankees. Little programming note: I will be on Weei. I'm at Fenway all weekend, and and I'm on Saturday live from Fenway, four o'clock tomorrow, four o'clock. Then I'm going to hand it off to the, to the pregame show. Uh, then the game is on WEI. And then I'm going to be on Red Sox Review until midnight, both Saturday and Sunday. I'm beginning at 4. Then you get the game coverage, the game. And then I'm back on after that until midnight, both nights, Saturday and Sunday. I will be live from the Fenway Park WEEI studio. So make sure you check in with that and give me a call uh, on the show and and give me a take on what you think of this Red Sox-Yankees series and obviously go over some other stuff. I mean, the Celtics offseason stuff is still going to be fresh this weekend, so we can probably get into some of that as well. But stick with Major League Baseball for right now. Just another story before I get to my picks uh, for the weekend NBA edition. Miami Marlins leadoff hitter D. Gordon. He has been suspended 80 games for testing positive for PEDs. You know, you see the word testosterone here. And Gordon comes out and he gives you the, you know, he gives you the quote that they all give. I did not knowingly use PEDs. I did not knowingly use performance-enhancing drugs. I did not knowingly use it. See, I have a huge problem with that because these guys, they all know what's going into their body. They do. They all know what's going in. It's funny, though. You look up at SportsCenter. You look up at ESPN. And I'm not blaming ESPN for this. I kind of feel the same way with this. A story like this. D. Gordon, he won the batting title last year, right? He's a damn good player. Leadoff hitter for the Marlins. Uh, exciting Exciting kid. Exciting player. This, this would have been a huge story. Think about how big this story would be 10 years ago. Five years ago. I think we're all over PEDs. I think this, See, I think this is a good... The fact that this is not... Like, it's not even on the screen right now on ESPN. 
you got the Tunsil situation. You got the draft. You got the latest on Chris Bosh, the Miami Heat face elimination tonight. You got, I mean, they got Karan Butler live coming up on SportsCenter. I don't know what the hell that's going to be about. But they don't even have the D Gordon thing up there. This is a, this is a major league player who's a damn good one who's going to be suspended 80 games for testing positive for PEDs. Think about how big this story would have been five years ago. I, I do think that maybe this is a good thing, not for baseball. You never want this story in your game. You want to try to rid yourself of this type of storyline. But when it comes to some of the big-name superstar players that are on the Hall of Fame ballot that we go over every single year and we wonder, are they ever going to get in because they're linked to PEDs, whether they tested positive, whether they've been accused, whether there have just been rumors and there's sort of a cloud of suspicion over someone's head. We look at these guys, Roger Clemens, uh, you know, Barry Bonds. We're going to get to the A-Rod thing at some point down the line. We're going to get to the David Ortiz thing some point down the line. Uh, Manny Ramirez. You know, the question is, are these guys ever going to get in if there's any type of link accusation, failed test. And as of right now, it looks like, eh, no, they're not going to get in. But I think that's going to change. And I think this is a sign that maybe it does. Like the fact that we don't get all worked up about a guy, even if he's a damn good player who won the batting title like D. Gordon, we don't get all worked up about someone who tests positive for PEDs. The thing I get worked up about with these stories, it just... It's You know what it is? It's not even the player that says, I didn't knowingly use it. Like, I don't know what we expect the player to do. You know, right? um, he got caught. The guys that piss me off are the players that might come out and speak out and knock that player. Like, Justin Verland is tweeting out, oh, D. Gordon, even during an appeal, he shouldn't be able to play. Like, Justin Verlander needs to just shut the fuck up, okay? The guy, he seems like a donkey anyways. He does. Seems like a clown. Um, like, how do I know you didn't do something? Honestly, how do we know Justin Verlander never did anything? Why, because he's telling us he didn't? I mean, <laughs> think about all the guys who told us they didn't and got caught and even denied it after the fact. The, and you know what excuse I also, like, I hate, even when guys defend someone, like Chris Colabello, Toronto Blue Jays. He just tested positive, and he just got suspended as well, what, last week? And you got people that are close to him saying, oh, he's the hottest worker in the gym every day. He works so hard. Like, don't give me the hottest working stuff, okay? Don't give me that. Because sometimes you go and take supplements and take a PED to keep you in the gym longer and, you know, keep your energy up and give you more strength to stay in the gym longer than everybody else. So that's a stupid argument. What pisses me off the most about PED stuff, especially in baseball, is when, you know, the peanut gallery comes in and everybody's got a comment. Like, everybody just shut up. Because when you step out and you want to crush another player, how do I know you didn't do something? Because you're telling me you didn't? We had a guy literally point his finger at Congress and say, I never did anything, period. (laughs) Turns out he did. So who the hell do we believe? We shouldn't believe anybody. I just don't even get worked up about it. I don't. Because I I think pitches are doing something. Hitters are doing something. It's a competitive edge. I 
I don't, I think there's always going to be something better. Like 10 years from now, we're going to look back. There's going to be a substance that's banned and we're going to say, wow, these players were all taking that. And it, it was undetectable 10 years ago. And now it's this big, crazy drug that's helping people out. Like, that's where we're going to be in 10 years. This stuff isn't going away. And I think when you go back 20 years, 25 years, I think there was stuff that guys were doing that, uh, you know, at the time probably wasn't legal. But then you find out down the road that, wow, a lot of guys were doing something like that. And, and it was a performance enhancer at the time. I just, I don't think we're ever going to escape this. The good thing to me is because I do pay attention to the Hall of Fame voting. And I do want to see these if you're calling them steroid guys, get into the Hall of Fame, but they got to get voted in. I I think the less that we maybe overreact to a positive PED test, I think the the better off that, the the better that is for some of these players who are linked, who, who really are Hall of Famers, in my opinion. Who really are. But D. Gordon, suspended 80 games. Yeah, look, you test positive, you get suspended. I'm not sitting here saying I have sympathy for the guy. I'm not. I'm just saying I, I think to get all worked up about it, like like he is the only guy in baseball that's still doing it. I, come on. You think D. Gordon and Chris Colabello? Honestly. And by the way, players on two different two different scales here. I know Colabello, had, he had a nice little year for himself last year, right? But, uh, I mean... We think those are the only two guys doing something? No, they're the only two guys that got caught. You go back to the A-Rod stuff, right, where he was popping gummies in the clubhouse. You know, he was timing it out perfectly so that if he did get tested after a game, it wouldn't still be in his system. They were using thing that's, things that go undetected. If you watch the Al Jazeera report from Charlie Sly, he, he gives in detail the Delta II hormone, a testosterone, whatever it is, it goes undetected in, in NFL tests. I mean, guys are always looking for an edge, and there's always going to be somebody in a lab that's cooking up something that either goes undetected or is not yet known to performance-enhancing drug testing. It's not yet illegal, but probably will be. So I, I, I never get too worked up about it. I think the best players are going to be the best players, and if all the best players are doing something, which I... I can't tell you they're not. I guess I've just come to accept it because nobody can prove to me. Nobody can prove to me the guys that are clean. And and is that the wrong way to go about it? You know, innocent until proven guilty? Maybe. But uh, that's just the way it works. That's just, that's the way that they've allowed it to be in Major League Baseball for years. And and I've just come to accept it. And if somebody steps out and and comes out in public and says, I I didn't do anything and they're blaming another guy, all I can think of is, well, how do I know you didn't do something? Because you're telling me you didn't? Please. What makes me believe you? You're a nice guy? You don't, you don't got to be an evil criminal to want to uh, get better on the, on the diamond, right? But then we, we used to turn these guys into criminals. Like, they used to, when, a, when the A-Rod stuff was going on last year, they had pictures of him on ESPN.com like he just got caught sitting next to a playground. With a camera or something. Like, like, what are we doing here? The guy's not a criminal. He's, right? He wanted to become a better baseball player. They put pictures on him like he, like he just murdered someone in a hotel room. And they're trying to figure out if it's his DNA. Like, no. No, 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 no. Let's take it easy with this stuff here. Because I got news for you. A-Rod's not the only one doing something. I know. We're not supposed to like A-Rod in this town because he's a, 
is a Yankee, but but take the uniform off for a minute. Major League ball player, professional athlete. You think A-Rod, D. Gordon, and Chris Colabello are the only guys doing shit? If you think that, you you need some help. You need help. So I don't get worked up about it. But that's what we got in Major League Baseball. Uh, Close out the week and the show like I do every Friday with the segment we call Picks Picks. Only got four NBA games for you. Only four because that's just the way the spreads are working and looking this weekend. These are the only spreads that are available in the NBA up until this point. So that's what we're going to go with. Hit the music. That's right, NBA on NBC theme. I'm going to begin, look, three games tonight on Friday night. And I'm going to begin in Indiana, okay, because I think the Toronto Raptors, the Raptors have a chance to close out this series tonight in game six in Indiana. I think the, I think yesterday I might have teased that the Pacers could force a game seven. I, I've had a change of heart on this one, and I'm going with Toronto. The Raptors are a two-point dog. I know they're on the road, and I'm not scared of the Raptors in a playoff series. Like, when the Raptors go to the second round and they play either Miami or Charlotte, I'm, I don't think it's a lock that Toronto gets to the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't feel that way about this team, but I, I look at this series and I'm just... I'm, I am feeling good that Toronto closes it out tonight in Indiana. So I'm going to take the Raptors as a two-point dog on the road in game six, advancing to the second round. Toronto plus two. Then at eight o'clock, you got the Heat. They are in Charlotte to take on the Hornets. The Heat are a one and a half point dog in this one. The Heat backs against the wall. They got to win this to force a game seven back in Miami. And I think they will. I'm taking the Heat plus one and a half over the Hornets in Charlotte. There will be a game seven. And that will be on Sunday, the Heat, plus one and a half. Then I'm going with the Portland Trailblazers. They host the LA Clippers in their game six. Uh, the Clippers, as you know, have all banged up. Chris Paul is out with a broken hand. Blake Griffin is out for the postseason with a knee or a quad injury, whatever you want to believe. And uh, Portland has a chance tonight to close out this series. Damian Lillard said something interesting the other day where he said, the other night in game five, there were no all-stars on the court. See, I consider, even though Damian Lillard wasn't necessarily an all-star, I consider him an all-star player. I think Lillard could have one heck of a game for himself by helping Portland to the second round, closing this series out, and I think they'll do that. I think Portland will close it out tonight. They're a 10-point favorite. Portland's a 10.5. See, I see that 10, and in my head, I'm thinking they're a dog because you look at the Clippers. Then you remember that Chris Paul and Griffin are out. All of a sudden, the Blazers at home in a series clincher are a 10-point favorite. Guess what? I'm taking them as a 10-point favorite. I think they pull away. I think they might win by more than 10. I'm taking Portland to close out the series and winning by at least 12 points. And then fourth and final game is tomorrow night, Saturday night. It's game one of their second round. Oklahoma City is in San Antonio to take on the Spurs. When's the last time the Spurs played? They swept the Memphis Grizzlies. They didn't even get a good game in that series, right? They just whooped the Grizzlies in that one. So when's the last time the Spurs had a big game where it gets like Golden State 
at the end of the regular season, like second to last week of the regular season. Uh, that was a while ago. Oklahoma City, they've been playing in big games against Dallas the last week and a half. I'm going to take the Thunder in this one as a six-and-a-half-point dog. I'm not telling you Oklahoma City is going to go into San Antonio and win game one. What I am telling you is it's going to be close, and I would jump all over the points. The Thunder plus six-and-a-half, I'm taking OKC. So those are my picks for the weekend. I got Toronto plus two, Miami plus one-and-a-half, Portland minus 10, and Oklahoma City plus six and a half. I went four and one last weekend, and I will say, as I do every weekend, you're an adult. You can make your own decisions at the end of the day. But this is just a little advice for you, and I do it every Friday. I'm here five days a week, dannypicard.com, also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anywhere podcasts are available. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all forms of social media. And don't forget, I'm on WEEI tomorrow, Saturday at 4 o'clock, and then after the game until midnight, live from the Fenway studio. Same thing on Sunday for Sunday Night Baseball at 4 o'clock at Fenway, and then after the game until midnight. I'll be back here in the Beantown Athletic studio on Monday to react to it all. Have a great weekend. Talk to you then.